0: Good morning and I want to add my welcome to, uh, to you all and uh, especially if you're visiting welcome. If you're here for uh, the end time welcome. Uh, Cornerstone Church is like Sam has said a group of people who's passionate about the Lord Jesus and we belong to his family. We love making him known. We love making disciples. That's the journey about. Uh, today is a family service and in the family service uh, normally we have got lots of people doing drama and activities and dance, etc., etc. Unfortunately we are thin on the ground and until uh, we have got people with those special talents it'll be my responsibility to speak both to the adults and the children. We have heard Sam read for us two long passages, one from Genesis 50 and the other one from Genesis 15. Bible can be a big massive book and sometimes it can be, you don't know where to start, sometimes it's stories and you're thinking like, what do I do with these stories? I was like that, but in my life there were few people who opened up the scriptures and it got me excited. The bottom line was, it is about God wanting to make himself known to you and to enter into a personal relationship with you as him being Saviour and Lord. That's what the Bible is about. So today's message comes from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the first of the 39 books of the Old Testament. Sometimes they think it is, oh, it's all about creation, etc. What was the thrust? Why did God give the book of Genesis? Whom did he give it to in the first place? That's important. Otherwise, it's like reading somebody else's letter. I don't understand this. Yeah, I don't understand it. No, that's okay. Ha ha ha, that's funny. That's boring. Lots of names. It it's just, it's just you know, to make so you need to ask the question, who wrote it? Whom did God give us book to? This is God communicating to his children the children of Israel so that they know how things began how things went wrong how God is going to put it right and God has got a plan where you fit in where I'm going to bring my Christ to save the world so if you just want to put it like this it starts I'm going to give you a few E's it starts with election then there's the exodus. Then there's an empire. And when they don't listen, there's exile. So, to understand, God chooses a family. He gets them out of a place. We look at that in the story today. He not, then he makes them an empire, if you like, a kingdom of people. When they don't listen again and again, he sends them into exile. Ultimately he sends his excellency. So that we can spend eternity with him. And when you look at the Old Testament, you got you know, you got several things several epochs in the Old Testament. I put it all in peace for you to remember the first epoch is Patriarchs the second epoch is Prophets the third epoch is Princes and the fourth epoch is Priests Patriarchs Abraham, Isaac and Jacob Prophets, we have got English Bible but Hebrew Bible, it is law and the prophets. Jesus did that division, law and the prophets. You've got, you got patriarchs, you've got prophets, then you've got princes, the kings. And when the kings come back from exile, uh, during that period, then it moves to the priests, period. Do you know that Jesus reveals the father, the patriarch, if you like, he's also the prophet he's the priest he's the king so we're going to look at the story where does today's reading fit in in this big plan of salvation that is unfolding so Genesis 50 if you, as you read got two funerals That's not fun, is it? We all have been touched by sadness of being in one funeral or the other. Sometimes someone close to your family. I've been with you guys in Leicester. I've been with you in Leamington Spa. So it is a sad time The first funeral is Jacob's funeral. The second funeral in that story is Joseph's funeral. In Genesis 49, the last verse, it says, Jacob gave instructions to his children and blessed them before he died. In India, when we, when we were little, we used to go and see our grandparents. They, we look at them as ancient, old, they love Jesus. So before we leave the holiday, after, when the holiday ends, before grandma and grandpa, we leave their place, or they come to us, they're going back. We used to go and say, grandma, grandpa, bless me. Bless me, and they should place their hands on my head and my brother's head and grandkids if the others there, and they will fervently bless us with God's choices, blessings of heaven and earth. Patriarchal family. It's like today, you know. We just say, "Yeah, if you're leaving, say, um, I'm going. Yeah, see you also at the door. Yeah." Bye, see you next time. A Christmas movie. Hey, let's recapture. There is something special about God placing us in families. We can do it forward if we missed out on the past. Didn't matter? Okay. Now this Jacob, we looked at his thing, his life, We can see that he dies after instructing. He dies after blessing. We also see he dies worshipping God. Hebrews 11, it says, Jacob, after he had instructed and blessed his children, he leant on a staff and he worshipped God and he died. Wow. What a way to go. I like to go like that. It's amazing. The last act, the last dying act. I will worship with all of my heart. Wow. Do you know, everything we do on this earth will finish. But worship continues throughout all eternity. Believe you me, it won't be boring like what you think worship is. Because when I was a little boy, I was like, God, it's going to be a big boring thing. But I'm going to be in heaven all worshipping all the time, you know? Because I didn't know who he was. Once I got to know him and I fell in love with him. Worship is not something I do. I, I get excited. That's the best thing I can do. Worship. One activity we've been doing throughout all eternity. Worship. This is how he died. And before he died, he said, I'm dying here in Egypt, but bury me back in the promised land. He died focusing on what God had promised him. How you going to die? Dying focus on one thing that matters, that's Him. In India, when you have a funeral service, a Christian funeral service, it's not called a funeral service. They call it a homecoming service. He's gone home. He's gone to his eternal abode, if you like. Like, you know, If those of you live away from home, when you go back to your parents' house, as you go through that door, have a big sigh. Home at last. If I was anything like me, I'd go and open Jenny and Mike's fridge and see what's there. Cheesecake or trifle or what's in there. Home. A sense of rest. A sense of solace. A place of peace. Home. Not our earthly home could be chaotic. Our home. So much so Apostle says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, so I just showed you the first funeral. When he dies they embalm his body, that took 40 days. Then there was a mourning for another 30 days. Then they're taking his body back to the cave of Makpala, where his, his uh, grandpappy had bought a piece of land and where they were buried. The first piece of real estate in the promised land. And as he goes there, they sit at a threshing floor, and they mourn for another seven days. Buried, returned. Now, let's rewind the story a little bit. What happens is, Jacob had twelve sons. And the twelve sons did not get on well. Of which particularly the second funeral is about Joseph. Joseph was a much loved child of his father. He loved him more than others. Parents, don't play favorites with your kids, okay? Not a good thing. Love them equally. Kids will come and say, do you love me more than my brother? Do you love me more than my sister? I live away from home, my brother lives you with know, the same campus as my, as my parents. I don't sit here and think, oh, do they love him more? I mean, no. I'm rock solid, assured of their love. You get the picture. Anyway, Jacob was not like that. He loved Joseph more than others. And gave him a special coat, designer clothing, I don't know, whatever name you can call, you know. They were jealous all the more. And to add to all days, Joseph had a dream. I've heard so many preachers saying, you know, they take Martin Luther's famous saying, I have a dream, and then say, what's your dream? Hang on a minute. Joseph did not conjure up this dream. It wasn't his ambition, it was God's communication. So sometimes we like fools, you know, this is my dream, you know, my dream, and then then, when the dream does not realise, I'm disappointed with God. God didn't give you that. His was not something he conjured up, it was a divine communication of something that was to unfold. Anyway, the story goes, his brothers. So the story goes from hatred, hostility, to hope. There you are. Hatred, hostility, hope. So you now just go back into the story. He is one day going to look for his brothers in Shechem they don't find him there. Someone says he's gone to Dothan, and they go there, find him. His brother says, "There comes the dreamer, 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 dreamer." They took his coat and put him in a pit, and then suddenly, rice and spice. Here comes the Ishmaelites. He sells them to Esli. That's my own trap. Okay, sorry. tell you're wondering where it comes from. That's one rap that I wrote many, many years ago for Children's Church. Rice and spice, here comes the
1: Ishmaelites.
0: He's sold as a slave. He's accused of assault, sexual assault. Unfortunately, Potiphar did not have safeguarding. Sexual harassment was at work. No complaint procedure, no 31-8. So he was a victim and he ended up in prison from the age of 17 for about 16 to 17 years thereabout. about. Joseph is languishing in prison before God raises, up, raises him to be a prince. From prison to prince. When he is there, so I just want to just put a prayer or something. You know, Bibles, you know, sometimes some of the scholars look and say, oh, Joseph is like a type of Christ and etc. You know that? That would have come across in theology. Type of Christ sort of thing. Because they look at similarities. Jesus was hated by his brethren, sold for pieces of silver. Yeah? And ended up being a prince about 33 in order to save his brethren who hated him so he is now a prince I'm cutting a long story short just for time's sake because I'm going to go for the emphasis which I want to give so he's now in Egypt he's a prince and the brothers who sold him are now here begging for help and he helps them he reveals himself to his brothers and now jacob is dead his brothers are worried Mm. Mm. hmm jacob joseph was nice but daddy was here now daddy is not here i wonder how joseph might treat us they're anxious they're worried And they come up with this story, I don't know whether it's a fabricated story or not. Joseph, when daddy was alive, he said this to ask you to forgive us. But anyways, you know, maybe it was the case. And Joseph forgives them when he forgives them, you know, before they, for the first time, they actually own up for their sin, their wrongdoing, their evil for the first time. They're saying, we did wrong. Please forgive. Okay? And uh, Jesus says, am I in the place of God? And then he explains what you meant for... Evil, God turned it for good. Sometimes in life, just getting into the story, sometimes in life you'll just feel like things are happening and it's out of control and it's all a big mess. And, but through it all, God can bring things together. I said, hatred, hostility, hope. God can bring things together. Keep that in your mind. And uh, I'm going to just take you briefly to Luke 15. These guys say when they're coming and these brothers come to Jerusalem and say, treat us as slaves! Treat us as slaves! Luke 15. A son who went away from his father and spent his life on prodigal living and then he came to himself and he decided to make his way back to the father and he wanted to say treat me like one of your servants But the father did not friends we all have sinned we all have been living a life of estrangement, we all have a debt we can't repay, your debt is paid in Christ, your estrangement has been dealt with and you are reconciled with God, you have got peace with God. and your skin has been covered. So this is a beautiful picture there. Nice story. Where does it fit in in the big picture? Come with me to Genesis 15. It's not Joseph, it's not his father, it's not his grandfather, but his great-grandpappy. Abram, even before he had a change of name, God one day speaks to him, Abram, "I am your shield. Fear not, I'm your shield. I'll protect you. I am your great reward." You know, we all like rewards, don't we? What do I get? You know, "That's got a present for me, mom has got a present for me, someone's got a present for me." God's saying, "I am your reward." Sometimes when we pray we are asking God for things. For me it's just tell me, God, I thank you. You're God and you're with me. Wow, I belong to you. Wow, that's that's itself is Okay. And Abram asks a question. God, that's all fantastic. But my life, I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. And God says to him, I'll give you an heir. Abram believed God. And God said, you're righteous. Sometimes you think, how do I become righteous? You believe God and him whom he sent. That is eternal life. Believe him. So. And God says to him, Abram let's, I'm going to make a covenant with you we know when they do covenants they used to bring animals in order to uh, blood has to be shared to make a covenant, okay hope and shallow, you know, your mom and dad will explain it's a bit horrific, they have a ram, they have a, a she-goat they got a, they got a heifer, they cut them all up and put them in like you know left and right the birds, the turtle dove, and the young pigeon, they don't tear it up, but nevertheless they kill it. And what is the plan is, whenever they had covenants in those times, they should kill an animal and they will walk the alleyway of blood. They are saying, if I don't keep my deal, let that become to me. Today we make promises, we break them, we make covenants in a holy matrimony and then walking in two different directions. You don't have a faintest idea of what a covenant is. God has made a covenant with you. He's saying, I will love you with an everlasting love. You're mine, I'll never leave you nor forsake you to his children. Paid with blood. You know when we sing like, you know, whiter than the snow, let his blood wash over me. If you don't have understanding, if you think like, what a bunch of cannibals, you know. Christians were accused for cannibalism in in time past in history. Because they, they eat the body and drink the blood. You need to understand, it's a covenant. Wow, he's saying, and they walk together smoking oven, burning torch represented the presence of God walking the aisle and then God tells Abram this your descendants will be in a foreign land for 400 years in the fourth generation you will return so God had already told Abraham Abraham is dead Isaac is dead, Jacob is dead, Joseph is dead, and where are they? In Egypt, in a foreign land, and you know when Moses brings them back, how many years had passed? That fourth generation has completed. That 400 plus years has completed, and they make their journey back. Because God is in charge of history. God writes history. Because it is his story. It's his story of salvation. Coming back. And he says when he comes back, I will also judge Egypt, the land that was oppressing them, as well as he was going to judge the Amorites whose iniquity was not yet full during the time of Abraham. Okay? This is what's transpiring. Big picture. Now I'm going to take you to us. God was unfolding his plan of salvation to reveal Christ to his people. Christ has come. Christ has died for your sin. Christ was buried. Christ was raised the third day. Seen by many witnesses. Instructed his disciples. Blessed them. Just like Papa, Jacob, Patriarch. And then he ascended into heaven. Today he intercedes for his church. He's preparing a place for his church. He's coming back for his church. He's coming to judge the world
1: and reign.
0: This is the plan. The next biggest thing that's going to happen in God's calendar, unfortunately it's not your wedding, it's in God's calendar. It's not, it's, not my, it's not somebody's buying up a house, or a car, or having a baby. That's not the next biggest thing in God's calendar. The return of Christ for his people. Today you are his people. Because he has chosen you. He has decided to save you. Maybe you've not heard that way before. This morning is an opportunity. God is calling you by name and you can respond saying, just like Abraham said, Abraham believed and was accounted for righteousness. You may not necessarily know all the ins and outs, but begin today just like Abraham began that day. When the last funeral service finished, Joseph's funeral, he was 110 when he died. How did he die? He said, God will
1: visit you guys.
0: When you go back to this land, to the promised land,
1: take my bones with you. Wow.
0: God has visited his people. God is coming back again to take you to the fullness of his
1: promise. Shall we pray?
0: Father God, we thank you for your written scripture. We thank you for the way in which you broke your plan of salvation within the confines of time and geography and history. And today we stand here saying, we are found in you. And we pray for any who want to to start their journey today. We ask, Lord, you will quicken their hearts. You will stir their hearts. And we ask that we might be able to help them in their walk with you. We ask, Lord, we want to to say a big thank you for all the teachers who opened up the scriptures and got me excited about scriptures. And I pray that these folk especially the children, they'll be excited about God who desires to have a personal relationship with them and with us. We thank you for your your son, your only begotten son, Jesus Christ,
1: our Lord and Saviour. Amen.